0: have your Bibles tonight. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians, the third chapter. And it always seems like, you know, if I got a lot of notes, I'm always afraid I'm going to trip over my notes. If I have no notes, I'm panicking because I don't have enough notes. (laughs) I've realized, the more I've been up here, that there's no perfect amount of notes to have. Uh, Tonight, I don't have a lot of notes. Uh, It's more of a devotional. uh, But I've really uh you know, been challenged a lot, um, well, some by the Asbury revival and um and also just, just studying the, the Word of God and one of the uh I guess challenge places in my life is is Christian love. And that's somewhat the subject tonight. Um and before I even Chose to uh, go to this scripture, I was actually looking up um, the uh, Licking County Coalition for Care. And as you know, I think it's one of the groups that the church donates to. Maybe many of you have donated to or volunteered for. Uh, But I think they said back in 2005, a lot of churches were essentially being overwhelmed by. Uh, the need that is out there in our community, Um, there, you know, we, sometimes we don't realize it, we're very blessed, but there is a lot of poverty, uh, you know, in this area, um, you know, I, there's uh, several people that work at the, the schools, and, um, you know, there, there's a lot of kids that are in great need, and you know the more you hear about the need that's out there the more you realize that you are blessed and as a christian we are called to serve you know the poor the needy the downtrodden you know the widow the orphan and god holds us accountable for how we treat those people Even more so than, I mean, he holds us accountable for how we treat all men, but more so we don't trample on the poor, the downtrodden, the widow, the orphan. You know, we as Christians are to show love. And interestingly enough, as I was looking up the uh, Licking County Coalition for Care, I was just really overwhelmed with that need to show (coughs) love. To make sure that, you know, we, <clears throat> we spend a lot of our money, I realize, on ourselves a lot of times, and, you know, I, I talk to people at work, I, I even, you know, talk to other Christians, whether here or elsewhere, you know, often elsewhere, but I, I'm always astounded at, you know, how much we lavish upon ourselves and how little we often think of other, other people. You know, and I think some of that has to do with the fear of being taken advantage of. And, you know, that certainly is a concern. And the and the Bible calls us to be um, responsible in our giving and in our actions towards others and in showing love towards, you know, we're supposed to be responsible in that. But oftentimes I think that if we... Were to evaluate you know how we uh, have stewarded the resources and the things that God has given us, I think we could all find room for improvement. So, 1 Thessalonians, uh, you know I, the history kind of behind why Paul is even writing this letter to the Thessalonians, that's that's where I'd kind of like to start a little bit tonight. If you remember, it's back, I think, in Acts, the 16th, 17th chapter. Paul is on a second missionary journey. And he's traveling through Asia, which, um, you know, a lot of these places are much different than, than, you know, where they are today. So you almost have to look at that map in, your, in the back of your Bible and kind of see where Asia is. But it's kind of north of Jerusalem. Um, in that, that whole area north of Palestine. He's traveling through Asia, but the Lord is not allowing him to preach anymore in Asia. But it doesn't say that Paul's concerned about that. He just continues to move towards, I believe it was Troas. And when he gets there one night, he has a dream. You know, a man from Macedonia is calling him, Brother Paul, Come over and help us. So he goes to Macedonia. So for the first time, an apostle of Jesus Christ steps foot on the European continent. You know, this is now today, it's Greece. And he stops at Philippi and the welcoming committee's there for him. They beat him with rods. You know, they put him in prison but out of that experience, even after he's beaten, the message goes out. It's, you know, people are converted. I think of that Philippian jailer. I mean, man, the whole city was in an uproar. They just beat Paul and Silas. You know, here they are in the jail. There's an earthquake. You know, the Philippian jailer's about to kill himself there. <clears throat> And even after seeing the power of God, you know, it had to have been the power of God and the Holy Spirit working on that jailer because he doesn't fear the, the Philippian government. He doesn't fear the people who has entrusted him with all of these prisoners, including Paul and Silas. He fears God and him and his entire family is converted. You saw Paul beaten and put in his own jail, and he had to lock him up in the stocks just a little bit ago. And here he is, he's joining Paul. Obviously knowing that he's probably going to face the same persecution that this man just faced. And if you read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you'll find that that was often often the case in times of persecution, horrible persecution, persecution was happening, and and executions and torture were happening, and often in the process of the torture, the torturer became converted, and the next day they were put on their own torture device and killed. You know, in a way, yeah, the Philippian jailer was that way. So Paul, you know, the pressure's on, and and. We just get the sense, you know, Paul, he just goes. He just moves along, you know. <laughs> there's there's a, you know, a storm behind him. The devil's all stirred up. The world's all stirred up. But he just moves on, and he moves on to a couple other cities, and finally he comes to Thessalonica. Um, you know, these places, these are just names of Bible books to me. It's, you know, I, I didn't really know. What is Thessalonica? You know, what type of city is Thessalonica? It's actually... It's not some little, like, uh, I don't know, Hebron or something, you know, with a thousand people. This is a large city. It's actually the capital of Macedonia. So this is considered kind of the capital city of Macedonia, about 200,000 people. And Paul is able to preach three or four uh, Sabbaths there before. Again, the mob is stirred up. And they're after him again, and they take hold this time not of Paul, but of Jason and his household and some of the brethren. and and they drag them before the, before the magistrates. And again, persecution has broken out in that town in, in Thessalonica <clears throat> and the brethren. <laughs> Paul, you know, let's move on. Paul moves on once again. But he leaves these brethren in Thessalonica, and it's interesting that, you know, he was probably only there for less than a month on that second missionary journey, but what an impact the Holy Spirit made through him. You know, and so while, a while later, in about 50 AD, uh, you know, imagine this is a, a year or so later, he writes back, he hasn't heard from the Thessalonians for a while. And he's worried. He's written them. He hasn't heard, so he sends Timothy, you know, to find out what's going on with these Thessalonians. Are there any Christians still there? I mean, this is before, uh, you know, Facebook and and all all the anti-social media, so we don't know what's going on. Timothy comes back to Paul with good news. Not only are there Christians there, but the church is lively. They they are still in love with Jesus Christ and the gospel. They're still thankful that Paul uh, blessed them with the gospel. And the church is growing. The church is showing love to one another. And Paul, he's writing back triumphantly, really, in 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians as well, to the Thessalonians and and this is a a letter unlike the corinthians letter it's interesting that paul was in corinth so long he spent you know 2 or 3 years with the corinthians and when he's writing back letters to them he he's showing his love to them but he's got to smack them around a little bit too because they always have problems but really here to the thessalonians you know paul is He's expressing such a loving and tender attitude to the Thessalonians, and and thanking them and encouraging them. It really, when you just, it's a very short book. Just listen to the whole thing. It takes you about fifteen minutes, maybe at most, to listen through all of 1 Thessalonians. But you know, he says that he was almost like a mother to them and and a uh, a father to them. He used that mother and father uh language towards the Thessalonians, and he sees them as his children and he's he has such love for them and then we get here to uh verse eleven of chapter three so 1 thessalonians uh chapter three verses eleven through thirteen and he's essentially praying he's praying here for the Thessalonians and he says Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints trying to find a tissue here. Let's see. Oh, there's one. So I I forgot I um, mentioned didn't mention I was reading now the English standard version there. I know some people are following on their phones and can change versions. Uh, but that was out of the English Standard Version. So essentially, Paul, here he's saying uh, three things. He's desiring to see these brethren again, and he's giving (coughs) credit here to the sovereignty of God, and uh, there's some language in this here where essentially he's equating God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ in here. So this was uh, something important, Uh, something else to remember, is that the book of 1 Thessalonians, this is perhaps the first uh, letter that Paul wrote. So this is perhaps the first uh, book in the New Testament here that's being written. So he is telling them right up front in his prayer that God the Father... And Jesus Christ are equals, that this is part of the Trinity. So certainly this is, some, this is part of the uh, doctrine that um, you know, would be new to those who had practiced Judaism before, the Father and the Son. And he's saying that he's praying that the Father and the Son would get him, you know, back to the Thessalonians. And then he makes another request here, that uh, may the Lord make you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So, first, he's speaking of an increase in love, and then that word there, abound, the word is essentially talking about an overflowing of love. So may the Lord increase your love and then make it overflow is what he's saying, just as we've done for you. So by example, so he's saying, I'm pouring out my love for you. Likewise, you Thessalonians, pour out your love. Let your love overflow to everybody else as well just like I'm showing you let it increase and let it overflow one of the uh, commentaries that I was reading on this uh, you know I believe is Matthew Henry he said uh, note the more we grow and abound in grace and particularly in the grace of love the more we're established in Uh, that's not what I wanted to read but One of them was, anyways, was talking about that that Christian love is the only thing in the Christian life which cannot be carried to excess. (laughs) You know, there's nothing that can be carried to excess when it comes to love. You can't have too much love. You can't have too much love. And then... Then here in the next portion of the scripture here, he says, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. So he, again, teaching some important doctrines, he's reminding them, you need that love. And what goes with that love is being blameless, which, you know, that... That's before men, that men could not, uh, you know, be being blameless before men because you've shown that love, and in holiness before our God. So love and holiness go together. And I think that's an important point to be made because, you know, we can see, or if we haven't noticed the effects of it, we should sit and think a little bit tonight while I'm speaking about the effects of separating or trying to separate love from holiness, you know, I, I I feel, and this is this is why this portion of Scripture hit me, because sometimes I feel that you know I I may be pursuing holiness, but not in a loving attitude. You know, I leave love behind sometimes, trying to pursue holiness. You know, and in particular, how maybe I view the unsaved. You know, sometimes we got to realize where we were at. That's the easiest way to cure this is remember where we were at. Remember how much love we had for God, how much love we had for Jesus Christ, how much I loved coming to church and, and being convicted, how much... I didn't. I was lost. I hated that stuff. I knew it was good for me though. But I was running from it. And that's exactly what people are doing today. That's that's the same thing that the people that are lost are doing today. And not only the Bible says not only are they lost but they're blind. They can't see until God Until the Holy Spirit opens their eyes and opens their ears, they're deaf, they're blind, they're stumbling through the world. And like Brother Tony's mentioned several times, you know, the the world today and the devil today is really on a campaign to not only ruin the, the inward life, but to ruin the outward body. Because it's really hard once that outward body is ruined to come into a body of believers. You look a lot different, don't you? And, and, you know, let's think about this for a minute. There's going to be people that will be saved that are going to look a lot different, and there's almost nothing they can do to go back you know, to a normal look. And and I think it, it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I watch uh, some street evangelism on on YouTube. I've talked about it before. Ray Comfort's probably one of my favorite street evangelists. And, you know, he talks to people with all the tattoos all over and the spiky hair and all. And you know, it's interesting that some of those people are the ones that are the soft have the softest hearts towards the gospel and towards Jesus Christ. And they're probably the people that, you know, I have to ask myself, would I approach this person on the on the street? You know, and and sometimes he approaches people and 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 he he has the man has a true love. Poor people, and you can hear it expressed. And and a lot of times he gets people, he says, you know, we've we've just gone over the Ten Commandments, and don't you realize it's it's you know, he asks them, is it heaven or hell? And they'll say, Well, you know, I, I broke the Ten Commandments. I I guess I can't go to heaven, can I, when when I'm judged by those Ten Commandments, I guess I, I'm going to go to hell. He says, You know, aren't you concerned about that? Well, no, I'm not really that concerned. You know, he gets that answer sometimes, and, and he'll stop him and he'll say, Look, he says, You may not be concerned, but I'm concerned. He said, I'm here preaching the gospel to you. I love you. I don't want to see you go to hell. And you can hear the yearning in his heart for this person. And if you really read Paul's writings closely, And some, not even too closely. And you can hear that same yearning for the lost that he has. he, He said at one point in time for his own brethren, the Jews, he wished that he could just be accursed for them, that they would come to Christ. Wow. I don't know that that's ever come out of my mouth. But also, maybe I don't have that love. Paul had for those people so we're not to only have love for one another you know love for and right there we could stop right there and probably preach for a whole revival uh, camp meeting on love for one another but we you know we need to think about do we show true Christian love for one another now, Paul goes on in Thessalonians, and, and really, the th- one thing that he touches on, I'm, it, it was obviously a problem in, in the um, Greek, you know, Roman culture, and it's a problem in our culture. He talks about sexual immorality, and really, he, he doesn't talk about, a, he doesn't go into a lot of uh, detail on other sins and stuff that the Thessalonians have committed, and he doesn't even necessarily accuse them of it. He warns them of it. You know, be careful that you abstain, he says, from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control your own body in holiness and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Oh, there's that distinction again. You know, the Gentiles that do not know God, they're going to be doing those things. But you're a Christian. You're to be showing love to one another. And part of that love, as we can see there, is upholding holiness in our own life. You know, and I was... So anyways, let's get back just for a minute, back to that point, that you can't separate love and holiness. There are some that hammer... On the holiness part, and if that's all you do and you have no love, you're going to wind up off in legalism. <laughs> and you're and really, a lot of times what happens is those people begin to justify things that they shouldn't even justify because they' made it the Jews were doing this, they made it so unlivable, and they made it so there's so many rules that they can't even keep their own rules. <laughs> and so it, it goes off the wheel or it goes off the tracks if that's all all you're going to pursue because a pursuit of holiness without love will end up just pursuing self righteousness that's all it's going to go to likewise we can see those who have pursued love without holiness you know and and you know it it's a sad thing to see, you know, the Methodist Church, the Presbyterian Church, the Anglican Church, you know, all these churches that used to preach holiness. They have they, and I understand why they did. They they wanted to show love. That that was their their idea, but they didn't pursue the holiness with. Love. They just they show they wanted to help this person and they wanted to help this person's life. And I'm telling you, all of us know this. If you deal with sinners and somebody living in sin, and you love that person because they are somebody that you know that's perhaps in your family or whatever, they're you know they're uh, I guess lifestyle choices and things like that really are not geared to building a Christian up. You know, they're they're geared at bringing, you know, that, that person down. That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to replace, you know, holiness with a pseudo love. And a lot of times that agenda is behind, you know, the center. And it's not Necessarily uh, their fault. It's, it's just part of being a sinner, being lost and away from God and living in darkness. So we have to be careful to, when we show and, and we are trying to love somebody, to not get drawn into that darkness. You know, but the way that we don't get drawn into darkness when we're showing somebody love that is in darkness is through holiness and a holy lifestyle. It's very important. If the Methodists would have held on to the message of holiness, if they would have held on to the Scripture as, as it's given to us and not tried to quibble over it and try to decide why they don't have to follow it and try to find the loopholes in it, they would have probably been further along. But instead... They got carried away with love but no holiness. Which, that that just goes off into a whole other way of darkness and lostness. So, you know, one side, self-righteousness, and this side here is licentiousness. So you have to have the two, and that's why Paul is exhorting these brethren that they may grow in their love for one another and for others, but that they may also be established, blameless, and holiness before God. Both are important. And then why? Why is it important? You know, we hear 1 Thessalonians preached a lot at funerals, Right? You know, because at the end of 1 Thessalonians, the Thessalonians must have had questions about the second coming. And, you know, were those who were alive, were, were they going to go with the ones who were dead? Or were the ones that were dead, were they going to have to wait, uh, you know, for the resurrection later? You know, what, what was going to happen? So the day of the Lord, or that final day, is spoken of quite a bit in 1st in and, and in 2nd Thessalonians as well. And Paul ties this love and holiness before God to the com- coming, to the return of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of His saints. So why are we doing this? Because there's a judgment coming. There's judgment coming. And when Jesus comes, I like that song, you know, may he find me in my place was it doing well my part when my king shall come for me? I may be mixing up three or four songs. I don't know, but is it the same song? Am I at least in the same song? Okay. All right. I thought it was. But you know, when Jesus Christ comes in judgment, we as believers want to be showing love to one another, showing love to others around us, and living in holiness. You know, what, what came to mind as I was driving up here with, with my wife was, you know, if you remember, the, uh, <clears throat> the high priest had beautiful garments, and I, I've heard some figures that perhaps those garments themselves, you know, were upwards of a million dollars in today's money that they wore. Probably some of the most beautiful garments that any uh, you know re- religious person of the day any priest would be wearing and he had several parts to that garment including you know a breast piece that had the 12 gems in it for uh, one for each of the uh, tribes of Israel and and he had the the uh, the stones on his shoulders inscribed with the names and but he wore a turban and on that turban there was a, a I believe it was a gold plate on it. But does anybody remember what it said? (laughs) Holiness unto the Lord. And that's what the Lord's expecting of us. You know, that we are clothed in holiness and righteousness. Now, is it righteousness of our own? No. The righteousness of Jesus Christ, right? Right? but we are to be living in love and holiness. And then uh, just a couple scriptures here, and I'm going to come to an end. But, you know, I, I, maybe this is something I hadn't studied too much, um, and, you know, it starts to make sense when you put things together here, and it it's not a hard-to-understand passage. But Romans 13, uh, verse 8 here, it says, Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not, shall not covet, you shall, or I'm sorry, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Do you realize if you're fulfilling the law, it's love all around. First, love to God, and then love to your neighbor, to everybody else. So so love is important. And then, um, you know... When it comes to to love and holiness, uh, back in uh, Hebrews 12, 14, says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. No one will see the Lord without holiness. Also, it's interesting, he's talking about striving for peace. You know, there's love with everyone. And then in, the, uh, in 1 Corinthians, of course, 13th chapter, the love chapter there, Paul says, you know, if I could do wonderful things, if, you know, if I could prophesy, if I could uh, you know, have all these wonderful gifts, if I don't have love, I'm like, a, you know, I'm like that tinkling cymbal, that gong. I, I'm just making noise. And I make a noise for just a little bit, and then it's gone and over with. Nobody will ever <laughs> remember anything that I did. It's not worth anything if I don't have love. So I, I think that's a, a, a good place. I, maybe, maybe you're just such a loving person, you don't have to challenge yourself on this. But I don't know. I don't think I'm alone in this. You know, Jesus, one time, he talked about our love waxing cold, and you know when I when I sat <clears throat> when I uh, you know sat down I was looking at just the story of Coalition for Care and thinking of all the horrible stories I've heard you know with with uh, you know what our youth struggle through today and I'm not even talking about our kids I'm just talking about you know kids out there in the community boy. You know, am I showing enough love? Am I caring enough? You know, and another thing I forgot to mention was these Thessalonians, they were loving people. They, they, Paul was really commending their love, but he said, you can love more. (laughs) You can love more. So I know there's a lot of loving people here. Uh, You're perhaps, you know, even commendable for your love. But it's the one thing that we you know, can't have enough of. But we also, for a holiness church, it came out of the holiness movement, we have to have love and holiness. We have to stick to the Bible, and if we do that, we won't go wrong.